rise and shine, bitches. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Finch. I'm your host, Connie Wing. Okay, you guys, today is a very big day. As you can see from the title, we have my big sister, Annie, on the episode. Um, I realized I didn't give her a true introduction, so just some background you guys need to know. So, one, she is an award-winning top dermatologist in Hawaii. She She's always been, like, valedictorian of everything growing up. Like, she's, like, super scary, genius smart, kind of like my mom. My mom's like that. Um, but she's also super meticulous and organized like my dad which now that I'm thinking about this like why didn't I get any of these traits I don't know they're all awesome um but also side note she's also like a model for her clinic which is kind of cool like she's on the pamphlets and like she's modeling for this poster thing which is exciting um she's also run a few full marathons already and she's always like top of females in her age she's already qualified for the Boston Marathon twice and she's actually running it next year she's also a mom to two little ones and all in all she's like my favorite person to hang out with even just like driving to Target together is fun except for this one time in the fifth grade she took me to get a training bra and that was traumatic I'm, I'm gonna give it to her that one that one was traumatic but anyways without further ado let's meet my big sister annie i think we're just gonna have to be side yeah. people we're committing to that um <laughs> i want to hear from viewers after they hear the uh -huh. podcast if they actually think that we're more alike than we're different or because you know how some people say that we actually sound kind of are sounding alike now yeah time wait who time. said that from so, your end um i feel like i'm not sure but i feel like people have told us that we are actually starting to sound more and more alike just sometimes just the voice but not not just the voice but actually the intonation and how we talk and express ourselves uh that it's starting to sound very similar that is like so funny you, you want to know why because when i'm like with a patient and i kind of like don't know how to proceed or what to say i instantly like automatically i'm like okay how would annie phrase this and then i just like pretend to kind of be you and that's like how i talk that's like literally how i talk to patients whenever i'm like Aww. having a hard time yeah i mean like it's like not that's an active really choice i'm not even trying i'm just like okay what would annie do and i'm like well i think she's gonna that... survive <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny um i actually thought that a good way to start off this episode would be to do a classic connie annie consult because okay this is our relationship dynamic i am a hypochondriac and every day i think i'm suffering from something new um yesterday it was i thought i had mastitis because i i like scratched my nipple and it like hurt really bad <laughs> which by the way the aquaphor did help thank you but today i think i got heat stroke because i was like really nauseous of course you did <laughs> no, I really and i'm gonna be like um connie maybe you should drink some water maybe some coconut water what else did i think i had for a second i was afraid i had um <laughs> meningitis <laughs> meningitis because my neck really hurt but i think i might have just slept on it funny so well, like let it all out just <laughs> let it all out. <laughs> what else did you think you have today it was just my remedy for you is gonna be some hydration <laughs> But yeah, so that's like our dynamic is like Annie is like, so Annie's 10 years older than me. She's like a grown up doctor and all that. Um, and so the first question, I thought this would be like a fun way to start is people were wondering, how are we similar and different as sisters? Like, what do you think? I, uh, I, well, how I always tell people is that I'm definitely the more type A personality. Um, I'm kind of just the more... Uh, at least I, I, when we were growing up, I think I was the more kind of go-getter and I wanted to be really perfect about everything. Um, and um, I think you've always been the more chill one and you've always been the little more laid back and I just want to see how you do and you feel about everything. And I've always <laughs> been kind of like, this is the goal in mind. Just go get it. 
Um, you're like how you feel. So I think you're, yeah, yes, yes. I, I think you're. You've always been the more emotionally in tune one. Um, I think really? things have kind of obviously changed and balanced out as we've gotten older. You know, I think I'm a little bit less, you know, intense and less uh, this this one direction or or type A on on one end, and then you've uh, kind of you're you're really driven and you you know you know what you want, and from that you you've actually set forward your path, and so I think we're kind of more coming towards the middle now. But I think growing up we were very different. Yeah, totally. Um, so the example that the example that um, I think mom and dad would always give is that I was a really fussy baby. I cried every thirty minutes when I was really young. And it was either I needed to my diaper changed, I needed to be fed with formula, or I needed water. I guess water was a big thing back then that they would give babies, um, which, by the way, is not currently a recommendation to give <laughs> newborn babies water. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like that was my personality is that I was really, really impatient since the moment that I was born. And if you blinked, it was too late. Uh, and I feel like that has kind of carried out into my personality. I'm definitely, I think, the less patient of the two of us. Um, I kind of want things really done in a timely manner. Um, and then you were born and you were just the angel baby <laughs> and you were just, you slept through the night, you know, practically two days after you were born. And, um, and so you were just always the more calm one. And, and that's, I think, carry through in your personality in so many different ways. So I, I think it's really interesting how nature and nurture all kind of come together, but your temperament and how you were born, it, it is just your temperament and you are born with it and there's nothing that any of us can do. Yeah, I think it's like really funny to think about how like our whole family and even Jimmy, everyone is like the oldest sibling because like mom's the oldest sibling, right? Dad's the oldest sibling. You're the oldest sibling. Yep. I don't know though because I do feel like mom favorite mom like loves us both equally, but she favors us in different ways because like growing up it was always like if I did anything good, it'd be like, oh my god, you're just like Annie. Like, Annie won this, Annie won that. And I'm like, okay, but like, I won it. Like, can we talk about Aww. No, it's, it's okay. Um, I'm like over it. But like, not <laughs> I'm like, clearly I'm over it because I'm still talking. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> you're like, you know when people seem like they're over it? When they have to say that they're over it. Um, but I also think though it's funny because like growing up, Annie's always been way more independent. Like, she's like literally like the most amazing dermatologist, but she never really like gloats about it or anything like that in the in our like family group group chat. Whereas I'm like, you guys, today I touched a patient and my mom's like, oh my goodness, my Dr. Connie. I, I, I do think birth order has a lot to do with how you're treated um, as a kid by your parents. And I think it's really subconscious and it's nothing that I, I think our parents did wrong. I, I see it in my own two kids, but uh, I see I, I see that my, I am doing it myself for my own two kids. Really? You know, when you're the oldest, you're just, yeah, I think when you're the oldest, you just naturally expect a lot from them, for them to lead, for them to watch their little sibling. You know, I'm doing it to my three-year-old right now. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, watch Evan. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, I think when you're the the youngest one, you're just always, always the, you're, you're you're always the baby of the family and they always will view you that way and you know my youngest is almost two years old and I'm like he's my baby <laughs> and um you know so you kind of always are like that and um I, I think mom and dad definitely give you a lot of praise um and I, I think rightfully so uh but it's yeah I think we're just all kind of viewed a little our expectations are different I think for the yeah two of us. for sure the story that I always think of to describe our dynamic is, like, Annie's obviously, like, very type A, like, the leader, even to this day. So, like, a year maybe ago when Jimmy and I visited, <laughs> do you know what story I'm going to tell? 
I don't think so. Okay, so basically, uh-huh. in the morning, Jimmy and I had just visited Annie. We're visiting, we're staying at Annie's place, and she's like, you know, just being like older sister Annie, she's like, Connie, like, today, the refrigerator guy is going to come home. I need you to let him in, and then just, like, be <laughs> home. And then, so I, so Annie's like the leader, right? I am like, okay, Lieutenant. So then in my head, my whole day <laughs> is structured. I'm like, Annie said, we're going to let in the refrigerator guy and then we're going to be home. And Jimmy was like, oh, do you want to hop in the pool? I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like hopping in the pool. I'm like, Annie said, we have to be home to let home the guy. And how am I going to know if the guy's here? If he's like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, I'm sure. I'm like, no, no, no. Annie's orders were to let the guy in. So then I made... I, like, watched Jimmy swim laps in the pool while I was, like, waiting in my towel for the guy to show up. And then the guy shows up, and then I, like, waddle over it. Like, I, like, I'm, like, stomping my, like, wet feet into the kitchen, like, watching him like this. And then both Jimmy and the fridge guy are, like, what are you doing? Why are you watching like that? I'm, like, Annie said <laughs> to be here and to be home when the guy's here. And Jimmy was, like, I'm pretty sure you can just, like, hang out at home. She just meant, like, someone has to be home with him. <laughs> and the refrigerator guy is, like, yeah, like, why is she still watching me? And I was, like, mm Go ahead. Keep, keep keep fixing the refrigerator. I was, like, literally watching him because my older sister's orders were to watch him. So I think that's just, like, the best way to break down our dynamic. I'm like, I don't stray from Annie's orders. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's, like, funny, too, because, like, all my listeners say, like, on the podcast that it feels like I'm giving them big sister energy, which I think is, like, such a great compliment, but I'm like... I've tricked all of you guys. I'm the little sister here, um, which is why I wanted to have Annie on today. So you guys could like meet the blueprint, you know? So speaking of blueprints, the next question <laughs> is who do you think's more like mom and dad? Oh, you are definitely more like mom and I'm definitely more like dad. Hands down. That's what I thought too. There's really no arguing with that. I mean, no, like no. on the outside. There's no like... but for that. <laughs> There's truly no Here's but for that. Here's our personality just shining through. There's no but for that. <laughs> dad in me because of like you know he loves like photography and videography and philosophy like you do i think (laughs) you're like okay i'll give you that um but no mom and i are the same okay what's your favorite thing and most annoying thing about each other (laughs) do you have something in mind for most annoying because i'm like i was playing this combo out in my head and i was like she's about our own she's not gonna like say a thing and and if you don't then i'm prepared um so instead we could say what we anticipate each other would say is the most annoying thing about us uh yeah like i think you would say my most annoying thing totally is like i don't I throw out these napkins <laughs> or like and like i don't really like tidy up after myself <laughs> i leave the shoes on you sometimes. leave a lot of things on in my house like you picked this up from the airport and i came back the ac was on the door was wide open the lights were all on in the entire house and i was like Oh my god. Did she sleep like this the entire night? It's okay. I appreciate her for house sitting. I appreciate her for visiting. It's okay. But seriously, did you leave my door open with the AC on and all the lights on the entire night? That thought did cross my mind. This is so funny because as you're describing this, I'm like, are all these things not supposed to be like this? I actually like really, I can't I don't think younger sisters are allowed to think that older sisters are annoying. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> I just don't think I'm allowed. <laughs> I Now you're switching the question on me because I didn't think about that. I, I have always thought it was going to be that I was particular. That I was, uh, I, I, I want things done a certain way. And that, mm. you know, when you were, when you were growing up, I always kind of told you how to do things a certain way. And 
Um, now as a parent myself, I realize that's probably not the best way to parent and not the best way to support your growth. Um, so now, you know, with, with the whole new gentle parenting and all that style, it's more about letting the kid explore their own interests and take things in their own way. Where I, as I think when we were growing up, um, I kind of was just more black and white and I was like, Hey, this is how we should do things. And this is how we're going to do it. And so I've always felt that that rigidity is, uh, is probably something that you disliked it's interesting because like you would think that but because i am the younger sibling i don't have any opinions to butt heads with so i'm like sure like what she tells me is fact we'll, we'll circle back what's your favorite thing about each other mm, my favorite thing about you is that you've always just been the go with the flow um light-hearted one of the two of us and i've always always admired that about you and so i think kind of reflecting back on myself when I was much younger. Um, I think I just took everything a little too seriously and I was just, you know, I was just trying to get to the next step. Right. And so I was really focused on school throughout high school. And then, um, in college, I kind of got relaxed and, and got to enjoy college. But I think I've always admired you that you are the more low key, laissez kind of go with the flow person, because I think that brought a light heartedness to you that I always admired. And I always thought, wow, Connie is the one that's just the really happy one out of the two of us. And I've always felt kind of more stuck in my ways or stuck in my rut or um, kind of just a little bit more trapped in, in in what I had to do and kind of overburdened by all the stress of schooling and and all of that. And so I've always admired that that you just kind of took things in stride and you don't take things too personally and, and uh, you know, you just kind of enjoy everything. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I think the only reason I'm like, able to be like this though is because of you because like I feel like yeah like you were going through a lot with school and stuff like that but also like you are like the oldest daughter in an immigrant family you immigrated with our parents so like you took on so much more than like the average kid got to like do you ever feel like not that you missed out on a childhood but do you feel like you had to grow up really fast to be honest not really I, I I actually think very fondly on my childhood and on our childhood and um, you know, I, I've, I've also told mom and dad this too, that even though we come from an immigrant family, I never felt different than any other families. Um, and we grew up also in predominantly, you know, to be honest, white neighborhoods, um, and, and towns. And I don't think it really affected me at least that much. I didn't really feel that different. And I think mom and dad worked really, really hard to provide for us. And, um, I always felt that my needs were met. Um, I think the pressures a lot were self-imposed, um, and I think there's a lot to be said about my underlying personality, which is that I didn't want to disappoint anyone, uh, you know, naturally just kind of a people pleaser, and I always wanted to make mom and dad proud, and I think that carried me forward for most of my life decisions was I ultimately just wanted to make mom and dad happy and make them proud. Editing Connie, oh my god, that is the sweetest thing ever. Like, dad, mom, are you guys crying right now? Because this is so sweet. Yeah. I feel like both of us were, like, definitely instilled that. And it wasn't like they, like, tried to be like that. They weren't like, you have to make us proud. We all just kind of grew up with the under... Or you and I just grew up with that understanding. Which is interesting Mm -hmm. because, like, now when you're, like, raising Emmy and Evan, like, is it trippy at all raising all your own... Raising your own kids because then it makes you think about your own upbringing? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you look at mom and dad differently. (laughs) You you look at mom and dad differently in in so many ways. And you're like, oh, my God, how do they deal with this? Um, And... You know, they had way different um, challenges to overcome, and it's it's pretty remarkable um, 
what they did for us. Uh, and I think they don't get enough credit actually for for really supporting us the way they did. Um, but then you also ultimately you also realize that as a parent, what you really care about is that you just want your kid to be happy, uh, and that within reason. No, come on, let's be real here. But let's uh, within reason, you just want them to thrive and be happy and to find their passions and to be supported and loved and to be in safe relationships um, and and grow and explore their own interests. Uh, that's what you want as a parent. Um, and so, yeah, but it, it, you definitely look at things differently once you become a parent and you appreciate your own parents a lot more. <laughs> I think my favorite thing has been watching mom and dad become grandparents because like... They're just so, they're like the best grandparents. They're like so like loving. I totally agree. I don't know if it was like this for you. Cause also I feel like we experienced maybe like two different versions of our parents because when um, you were like my age, it's like mom and dad were like 30s and 40s. And then I got like a mom and dad when they were like 50s and 60s. So like we've experienced kind of two different timelines almost with our parents. Same people though. Um, but I thought in high school, they, they never had to worry about you. Let's just put it that way. And I feel like they would say things like, oh, like, were we too nice to Connie? Cause she's so like soft now. <laughs> and I feel like they like felt like they had to like be hard on me during school. Cause like you were hard on yourself. So you never really like needed that guidance. They were more telling Annie, like, don't cry. Like it's okay over this test. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to go hang out with my friends at Applebee's. I'll be back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the classic example was that mom and dad were consoling me that, you know, mom was like, get a C once in a while. She's like, it's okay. <laughs> and I'm meanwhile, I'm like, it was a B plus. <laughs> um, and then get it right. Uh, <laughs> and then Connie was just kind of like, oh, it's okay. It's cool. It's a B. It's, you know, people get C's in the same class. And oh my God, yeah. I remember the one time you said that and it drove me up a wall. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a great example actually about the fundamental differences of our personalities. So my favorite thing about you is I feel like you are like by far out of everyone I've ever met, I don't know how many people I've met in this world, but by far the most like dependable, loyal, like, is there any other word for dependable, like stable or Aww. like just de- <laughs> dependable person? Okay. Editing Connie here. I like cannot sit through listening to myself, try to find a synonym for the word dependable. This is like painful. I realized as I was editing this, for some reason, when I was answering it live, I don't know why I thought I was only allowed to use one word to describe her. Um, but I realized just now, like Connie, you can actually use a full sentence. So I think what I meant to say with this whole dependable thing is actually like consistency specifically by that. I mean, she's one of the few rare people in this world that consistently every single day makes everyone and the lives of those around her better. Um, I think the best way to encompass this is like, like day in, day out, she just makes this world a better place specifically because I realize she's kind of like an influencer for everyone around her, if it makes sense. Like she influences the people around her to be better, like either at work or like even as like a family member or like a friend, like you want to be better for her because you just see like the standards she sets for herself and her life and it just inspires you, um, to like want to be better like she's she's kind of like your favorite condiment or sauce in the refrigerator and you can put it on um anything and it just makes 
everything taste better. That's what I mean by by consistently making everything better. And it's not just on like her good days. Like it's it's also on like the bad days and the days I'm sure she doesn't feel like it. Like she just has that star quality of turning everything that she touches into gold. So that's what I meant by like dependable and consistency and all that. But yeah, anyways, this was painful for me to anyways, editing Connie out. Like in everyone's lives. Like everyone that knows Annie, she's the most dependable person for them. Um and I feel like you being dependable allows like, me to be, like, me, right? And that's, like, a lot, like, all the things that you admire about me, it's because you were, like, the dependable older sibling. Like, she's the person that you call when you're, like, stuck in a dilemma or, like, if you need help with anything, she's, like, already searching it on Google, which is part of why I always contact her when I think I have mastitis. Um, But, yeah, that's my favorite thing about you. And then I, and I also think that's a very, like, underrated or underappreciated trait especially in today because it's kind of like everyone wants to be like the bubbly and Annie is very bubbly also but everyone wants to be like the light-hearted fun one but I think there's something to be said about like the person that's like always there for you always listens um and just has so much thought and care and that's like who you are for like everyone it's not just for me it's for mom for dad for like all your friends for your kids for Mike so that's just like a really special trait I try. <laughs> well, I feel like what you're most proud about each other is also kind of like along the same line then. I would say so. I I think my, but I will say my, that what I was thinking when I was thinking about that question is I am most proud of you and watching the young professional that you've become. Um, you, I think you have to kind of share this with other people that, you know, I've seen you th- through your teenage years, through your high school years. Uh, we, you had a lot of tears about where you were going to go for undergrad and, uh, you know, you you just didn't really know what you wanted other than I, I think it's bio, right. Or something in the health, health sciences. But from that stage to watch you now become, um, a young professional and then the steps that you took on your own will and determination to figure out DATs, you know, applications and all these things to figure out what you truly wanted to be happy, to expand your podcast, your social media, to continue using your creative outlet and energies towards things that you like and to combine your passions for not only dentistry, but also for videography and communications and to see you meld all those interests together um, into what you have today is is one by far one of the things I am the most proud of ever because just to see all that coming together is truly remarkable. I mean, you've kind of you you paved your own way, um, and and I think you worked really really hard for it, and you deserve everything that comes your way. Um, so that's my oh most my prize. god, that's so sweet. That's it's. You, did I ever tell you the reason like what like woke me up and like why I went into dentistry? It was it's like related to you. Um, I think mom and dad probably told me a version of it, but uh, I would love to hear it from <laughs> I'm you. I'm curious what they told you. So, well, this isn't exactly why I went into dentistry, but it was like my wake-up call. was. Um, it was after, I think, like my first year of pharmacy school, maybe, whenever you graduated from dermatology residency. And I remember mm-hmm. showing up to your, like, the residency, um, like, graduation luncheon was, like, so spectacular. I just saw everyone's families, and everyone was so happy and so proud. And, like, I remember just standing there, like, watching you, like, holding your degree. And I was like, wow, like, she's so proud. And she's, like, doing what she really, really, truly wants. There's nothing else in the world. And I was like, I want to feel like that. And, like, I don't feel like that with pharmacy. And that's when I, like, really had to think about, like, what would make me feel like that. And then um, that kind of, like, led my path to dentistry. But had I not had that moment where I was, like, watching you, like, really live your life to the fullest and, like, do what 
you wanted to do I don't think I would have like even thought that was possible like I feel like you and like all of your co-residents like made me realize like that life is possible but that kind of is like the gist of like being the younger sibling is the older sibling shows you the world and they show you what life can be like and that's like really cool that's so funny you mentioned that because I actually see it in um, in, in Evan. So Evan watches Emmy all day long. All he does is if you look at his eyes, is he's watching what Emmy's doing. And then she'll do something and he copies her. And that's what he does almost all throughout the day. And it's so interesting because he was born like that. He innately monitors and watches her and copies her. Um, so it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually see that. Oh my God, that's day. so cute. Well, that's actually like what I'm most proud of you for is okay there's like so many things i'm proud of you for obviously like career wise and all that stuff but i think i'm like the most proud of how like you are like the world's best mom besides our mom obviously but like you are like the world's best mom because it is so hard to be a mom so thankless and so like i don't know like it really is true like i think what people say and that it's the world's like hardest but like best job and i feel like to specifically be like Emmy and Evan's mom and raise like such curious, kind, thoughtful, like just bundles of joy children. Like it takes a really special mom to do that. So I feel like I from a mom, is that a cop-out answer when people say like the proudest thing is like that you're a really good mom or is that the best thing to hear? It is one of the best things to hear. Okay, good. <laughs> because well, the, the reality of it is that you always feel like it's not enough. And you always worry about how, how, how much you're messing up your kid every day. Um, they know how to push your buttons. And so the fuse runs out sometimes at 7.30 in the morning. But I tell myself that that's okay because that's, uh, you know, 5 o'clock somewhere. So, um, but uh, it is the best thing that you can tell a mom because they're, underneath it all, there's a lot of questioning and wondering if you are doing right by your kids and if you are giving them the the most love and affection and direction and and the support that you could um because you always want um something that that's better for your own kids and so you always want to lift them up um so yeah but i will say that i look at women as a a species um i look at women differently after i had my own kids <laughs> uh women are amazing and i am surrounded by a lot of really really amazing female dermatologists who, um, and doctors in general, not just dermatology, but female doctors who are also wonderful, wonderful, amazing moms. Um, and we're all out there supporting each other and just trying to get by. I mean, literally the behind the scenes is we're just trying to survive the day. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's how I get it done. I'm just planning on surviving the day. What about life as a dermatologist? I'm sure you dreamed about life as a dermatologist when you were like a med student and in residency, what has it actually been like? Has it lived up to your imagination? Been better or worse? I think it depends. It varies day by day. Uh, you know, becoming a doctor of any sort, um, it, it is a truly an honor and a privilege to do what you do because you have the unique job and opportunity to really make a deep impact in people's lives. Unfortunately, sometimes for the worse, but usually you hope and you work really hard to do it for the better. Um, and so with that privilege and that honor, it comes great responsibility, right? And so I think there's a lot of pressure on us to perform better, perform faster, and it's sometimes it feels unattainable to be honest but um uh, overall I truly love my job and I enjoy my job in so many ways I have amazing patients that I take care of routinely throughout the years and I've built these wonderful um patient doctor relationships um and they ask me about my kids I ask them about their families and um it's it's such a it's such a 
such an amazing journey. But uh, also just dermatology specifically is such an amazing field. You know, people always ask me, why did you choose dermatology? And for me, it's because the skin holds a lot of answers. You know, there are rashes on your body that you can get that we are trained to diagnose that can be linked to internal solid and hematologic cancers, right? And so if I always went to dermatology thinking that if I could identify these rashes early and I could, um, I knew the association to underlying cancers, maybe I could actually diagnose somebody's cancers early and maybe I could save them. Um, I think, I think that was a big draw as to why I went to dermatology. Um, and so in many ways it's, it's totally lived up to what I imagined. Um, but in, in many ways it's, uh, it's even more than, than what I could have imagined. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, I'm really thankful for the choice that I made to go into dermatology. Um, and here's the big sister lesson for you is that, you know, initially I didn't think I would match into dermatology because it was so competitive and I was really, really worried that I wasn't good enough. And so I told mom that I was like, you know, maybe I'll just do something else. Um, that's a little bit less competitive. And my mom said, well, you could, you could totally do that. But if you don't try, you'll never know. And so she was the one that really, really pushed me to try for dermatology because she knew that that's where my heart really was at. And so the lesson is that if you don't ask, the answer is always no. It's easy, I think, as, as you know, the younger sister to look at me and say, like, oh, Annie's the go-getter. But, you know, I have my own insecurities just like everyone else and, you know, and, and a fear of failure and, and all of those questions and doubts. And, um, and the key thing is I always think back to that moment when mom, you know, pushed me to try it or, you know, different moments when dad's like, yeah, just do it. And, you know, all those moments. And then now I have you to look up to too, um, actually, because I see how you've gone out, you just did it and you tried things and you've been amazing at it. And so that also encourages me to keep thinking and keep discovering myself um, in this, in both professionally, but also personally, and just, you know, keep building and keep looking forward. Oh my God, that's so sweet. That's like crazy because as a little sister, I never thought that I could inspire like you or anyone. That's the thing though. You know, ten year we're a ten year difference, so I tell everybody it was more like a, a little mini mom and a and a kid kind of a relationship and over time things have really, really balanced out and so I look up to you, I think, just as much as you look look up to me. Aw, well that is an honor to have you look up to me. What about like some of your favorite cases or favorite kind of days at work? Like one of what are some of your favorite things to do and to see as a dermatologist? Well, the the majority of what I do is actually um well here in Hawaii we ha- unfortunately have a lot of skin cancers, so skin screening is a big big part of what I do. Um and people literally come in and I look at their skin from head to toe, um in between the toes, in the scalp just to make sure and check for skin cancers. I think it's really satisfying when I do identify a skin cancer. We are able to treat it successfully. And people have really shown a sincere appreciation. Um, and I think it catch me, catches me off guard sometimes, you know, because I think you'll see this too. In any career path that you do, things become very routine. And so for you, treating a cavity or doing a root canal is going to become very, very routine. And so for me, doing skin cancer screenings, doing skin biopsies to confirm the diagnosis, doing procedures to treat the skin cancers afterwards, it becomes very routine. But I think it's really important to remember that these diagnoses and these situations, they're life-changing for a lot of our patients, and they can be the first time, and they can be super scary. And so you're actually potentially making a deep impact on somebody um, and really helping to, uh, you know, in my situation, cure them of a particular skin cancer. Um, and so 
I, I think it's it's always imp- important to remember things from the patient perspective um, and how daunting and how scary it can be, but also that it can be truly satisfying on, on our end too to be able to help them. Um, and I think that's one thing. The other thing is um, I see a lot of eczema, a lot of different types of rashes, um, a lot of these autoimmune conditions. And when my patients genuinely, they, when they do get better with the treatment that I prescribed, sometimes they'll be, they're super sweet and they actually email me just to let me, let me know that the, um, the treatment worked and they're doing so much better and they just say thank you so much. Those emails that I get, are they just mean the world to me because um, I just know that they are feeling better, they're looking better, um, and I'm so happy that you know, what I did actually help them. Um, so those are some of my most satisfying moments. It's so cool to like, it's so surreal to think of like what an impact you can make. Like, obviously we know, like we go into this like healthcare field because we want to change people's lives. But I feel like somewhere along the mix, the training, all of that, you kind of lose sight of that in some senses because you're very, t- you have to be in like a certain tunnel vision. So you're like grinding, grinding, grinding. But then like when you step back and think about it, it's like, whoa, like literally you have completely changed the course of someone's life. And it's really cool. I think you could kind of alluded to it but it's like you're part of a lot of people's like worst times in their life like so much uncertainty and fear so it almost makes it even more rewarding in that sense when you can help them in such a way and it does work out for the best Mm. yep you just you cherish those moments when everything just works out the right way Um, because it doesn't always happen unfortunately but uh, luckily majority of the time everything works out really really well and you just cherish every single one of them um, but I think a lot of us are really driven. And so the good moments, we just kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's good. And you kind of just gloss over it. And then yeah. when the bad moments or things happen or somebody's unhappy about an outcome or result, those moments kind of, they can eat away at you sometimes because you think more about those things. And I think, you know, my big career advice for you going forward and, and for our listeners is that, you know, not, not everything's going to go your way. Um, and, and that's just the nature of, of the beast that we're dealing with. But um, I think just always remember that the patient um, because they have lives, they have families, they have goals, they have aspirations, just like all of us. They have good days and they have bad days. And um, just remember that they're human and that you treat each and one of them um, as the individual that they are. Uh, and I think that'll go a long way. Um, people want to be seen and people want to be heard and they want to be under and they want to feel understood and cared for. Um, and it's in the, in the medical system, I think sometimes it's easy to lose track of that because you're just pushed sometimes just to see more and more patients or, you know, you're just inundated Mm. by emails and requests and, and people aren't getting better. And some days it feels like everybody's getting worse. And, um, it's, it's, it sometimes feels like you're trying to drink from a fire hydrant, but, um, I think just to slow it down a little bit and remember your why always, and just remember the, the person and the, and the, the person behind that name, um, that, that's really, really important. Sorry, that's Ellie. She learned how to open the doors. Aww, so cute. Last question before we go on to the small talk articles of the week. Um, so you're balancing a lot. You're, you know, a mom, a dermatologist. You're a friend, a sister, a daughter, all that stuff. What is something, I know we're always like working on something, but is there something like specifically that you can think of that like you're really working on right now to get better at? I'm really working on being present. Um, 
I mm. think, like, you know how, how I said about the survival, you know, every single day with, with, with work and with the kids, and um, it's just some days feel like pure chaos, and you're really just trying to survive the day. Um, what, what a lot of people have told me is just enjoy these moments when the kids are young because it goes by so fast. And these are, honestly, a lot of them are friends, but also a lot of them are my patients. They're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. And, um, and so they, they tell me that, that it goes by just like that and, and just to enjoy the moment. So it's so easy just to want to rush through the day just so you can go to bed at nighttime because you're so tired. But I'm trying to be a little bit more present, um, capturing, you know, these good moments with my kids because they are not like this um, for a very long time. Sometimes it feels like they wake up from a nap differently. Um, <laughs> I know. And so uh, Emmy has some real three-nature energy that she's throwing out these days. And so, uh, you know, you just realize she's not going to be like this forever because then she's going to be a real teenager. And that, that'll be a whole other uh, battle that you have to deal with. Um, but just being present, being present for my kids, being present for my family, enjoying this time that I have with you, with mom and dad. Um, everybody is knock on wood, super healthy and doing really well. So this is this is a really, really precious time in our lives. Um, being present for for uh, my colleagues and my patients at work, and but uh, also being present for myself and trying to figure out what makes me thrive every single day and what makes me really happy. Um, and my big thing is running these days. You know, running with my friends um, and just enjoying the casual conversations and um, and the support from from my running community. And so I think just being present. Oh my gosh, yeah, for anyone listening, I know I posted about her earlier, but speaking of running, Annie will be running the Boston Marathon in 2024. Are you, like, training? How does the training work for that? Because it's kind of early still, right? Or no? Oh, yeah, it's super early. Um, After my last, you told everybody about my uh, May Marathon. So when I was training for that marathon, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting back into shape after having two kids. This is going to be great. I'm going to stay in shape. I'm going to keep running, get stronger and stronger. I I just so totally admire all the mom runners out there, the women elites. They're crazy moms of two, three, four kids who are setting records right now and breaking records. Um, And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to get stronger and better. And then I basically took three weeks off after the marathon and I was like, I don't think I need to run. I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> feeling this at all. And, so, um, and then I came back for a couple of weeks. I still wasn't running and I'm like, Oh, it's been five weeks. I really should, you know, get back on it a little bit. And so, uh, you know, I'm just kind of running, I'm still slowly building up a little bit, but just fun runs, nothing too serious. Um, a lot of my friends are training right now for the Jack and Jill marathon at the end of this month. Um, and then other friends have other marathons or half marathons coming up. And so a lot of times it's just being out there for them and doing their training runs, just like they were there to support me and run some really hard workouts with me when I was training. So, uh, sorry, that was a long version of, no, I'm not training right now. Uh, just trying to enjoy every single mile and, the the smiles and miles is what I say. Just kind of running. That's so cute. Did I ever tell you how, like, Actually, I don't know if, if I've told you this. This is kind of, like, embarrassing to admit out loud. You've probably known I thought this just because of how I am as a younger sibling. I kind of used to think, like, when you become a mom, like, your life is, like, not over, but, like, over, kind of. Like, I just think, like, oh, you become a mom and then, like, you can't, like, work on goals because you're busy being a mom and stuff like that. Which now I just, like, laugh at because I see you and you're crushing your goals, you're running marathons. So, like... For anyone out there listening, like, Annie was the one that showed me, like, oh, your life only gets better after kids. Like, I I tend to have Peter Pan syndrome in that I'm afraid to grow up, and I'm like, I don't want my, like, body and my life to change with kids. They're going to, like, ruin everything, even though I do want kids eventually. 
Um, but like seeing Annie have kids and like be able to do like so many different things and like continue to crush things and find what's next. It just like really inspires me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, like your life only keeps getting better. It like nothing ends. But it's like funny to think that because I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing that I used to think that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Mike and I were talking about this last night. Like my life really started after training, after residency, when we moved here, when I started my real attending life. Um, and so you're always evolving and learning and growing. And so um, your life isn't over, but your life will be very different. Your priorities are different. Um, yes, your body changes, uh, but um, <laughs> you kind of, <laughs> you know, you make the most of it. And and then it is a, it's a sacrifice for all the right reasons because you have made these beautiful human beings um and how you know it I don't know if I ever told you this but I actually didn't want want kids for many many years there I actually did not want kids at all really Um, yeah I didn't want kids um I went all through all all of residency and even uh for many years afterwards I was like I don't really want kids um I love my life the way it is um I don't want things to change and then um you know what made me change my mind was you know Mike and I were traveling a lot and we were exploring the world, and that was a big reason I didn't want to have kids, right? I wanted to travel, I wanted to explore, but then, you know, the world is so small, yet so beautiful, and we're hiking and trekking in Patagonia, and it's just, you know, these expansive mountains in the horizon, and the sun shining on them, and, and the it's, it's absolutely just breathtaking, and I realized in that moment that I wanted to share it with someone, and I wanted other people to be able to experience this, um, and it was not via a tour group that I would lead, but it was that I wanted to have kids, and to share that with them and to show them how beautiful the world can be um and i wanted to take them on hikes um to national parks and then i want them to eventually learn how to scuba dive and enjoy and explore the underwater world and um, that's how i kind of changed so you'll continue to evolve and grow and find your interest and what interests you today may not necessarily be what you'll be interested in 10 years from now when you're actually my age Um, so always just keep an open mind because you never know where life is is going to take you. And you know how I always say to you that my life today is nothing what I would have imagined <laughs> 10 years ago. Uh, nothing that I had planned when I was, um, you know, even in residency or before residency as a med student. But it's so much better. Um, and so just, just go for the ride. Oh, that's so sweet. You're definitely already doing that with, like, how much you get to show Emmy and Evan the world. They're, like, the best traveled, like, three and two three and one one One. yeah oh my god (laughs) just whenever you have a bad moment like when evan is crying every hour on a plane that's a red eye and everybody's pissed (laughs) sitting around you um (laughs) just remember it too shall pass and nothing is permanent for better for worse um and you just gotta keep going (laughs) can i tell everyone what you said was like the would be like the world's best vacation oh yeah you can (laughs) i'm very honest about that yeah i was talking to annie about this and she was just like man you know what vacation i want i was like i don't know what i thought maybe like a beach resort or something she's like i want to get on an airplane that's a 24-hour ride just myself my snacks we just go around the world we don't have to land anywhere in fact we shouldn't land anywhere because then people could contact me i don't want anyone to reach me i'm just up in the sky with my snacks watching some tv and we're just gonna fly and just keep flying and don't stop flying and i was like Wow. <laughs> like, this is what I have to look forward to. <laughs> Which sounds nice, honestly. Okay, so that has been 
our getting to know Annie segment. So now we're going to go into the three small talk stories that you need for this week when you're at work with your patients chatting it up, the computer's loading. You already talked about your weekend plans and the weather. You don't know what to say next. Here are three things to talk about instead. So first up for our pop culture article of the week. <clears throat> this is actually freshly new. Did you see this one? Raquel Levis is changing her name after leaving the mental health facility. Uh, you know how like Raquel is like not her real name? Yeah. It's like Rachel or something. So mm-hmm. Raquel Levis is returning to her roots after a two-month stay in a mental health facility. The Vanderpump Rules star of 28 decided to revert back to her birth name of Rachel during her stay at the Meadows in Wickenburg, Arizona. That's where she went for mental health therapy and all of that um so basically what i've heard about this whole news story is like i think she is negotiating to come back to vanderpump rules for next season and i don't know if you heard this but vanderpump rules just won an emmy or or nominated i think for the first time what they got nominated for an emmy yes like okay yeah their first ever emmy like an emmy award fancy (laughs) isn't that crazy yeah so people have different opinions about this Do you think that her and Tom should come back? Some people are like, they made this show good. They brought it back. Other people are like, you shouldn't reward this type of behavior. I would argue that their behavior has been rewarded all along because they are on reality TV. I mean, you have to be honest that their ratings were actually sliding. And, um, and that after this came out, they, they, their ratings like went through the roof yeah it like put it back on the map because i thought bravo was kind of dying and i felt like i was the only person in this world that watched the show fun fact did you know i actually started watching vanderpump rules when i that first time i visited you guys in hawaii oh i didn't know that yeah because like you and mike were um at work and i was like bored so then i just turned on the tv and what automatically turned on was you guys were like watching Vanderpump on Bravo and I first the first five seconds that I saw it was like Tom Sandoval and some people and I was like what is this vampire show on Bravo because he looks like a vampire to me (laughs) and then I was like oh these are vampires these are like real people yeah real (laughs) yes and uh you should you should know that uh it's not you all it's just you because I'm the only person who watches this Mike does not watch this at all (laughs) he doesn't he can't are you kidding has he heard any of it it's so good um, have oh you all seen all the memes wow. of all the husband who who at the first yes. was like, what is this going on? And then they become deeply committed to the storyline. Um, so, but he has no interest in this whatsoever. That husband is exactly what Jimmy is like because we just started watching Desperate Housewives. And oh. at first he was like, ew, Desperate Housewives, like that's so not for me. And then the next episode he was like, you know what, this is pretty good. And then by like last night's episode, I was like, when did they say this detail? He's like, the last episode they mentioned this. And then I'm like, how did you know all of this? So Jimmy's totally <laughs> converted into a Desperate Housewives fan. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not actually like oh my god okay <laughs> I some judgment um so moving on to our human interest article no new york post you do not need my help to support your ads continue without supporting us all right so the human interest article i thought this was interesting i don't know if you've heard of this but one in three americans choose a sleep divorce to save their marriage have you heard of this I haven't heard of the one in three part, but I have heard about the sleep divorce. I mean, I think that's kind of a harsh term to use for that, but uh, I, I, I do. I, I think, you know, what, 1950s, 1960s, that was really a standard thing for couples to be sleeping in separate beds. Um, was that? I didn't know that. Yeah, like, in America? I mean, I think so. I think, I think, I mean, I think so. I think it wasn't like a, I don't know. 
Actually, I don't really know. Maybe it was just how they portrayed it on TV because they weren't supposed to sleep in the same bed together on TV. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I Does Mike snore? No, Mike doesn't. I am so lucky. He does not snore. And a couple times he will, and I just, you know... Lightly tap him on the shoulder, and and then he'll just stop. <laughs> Lightly but. tap. She's a, now I'm curious for Mike's version. He's like, I was awoken in the middle of the night by a stabbing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Mike will agree that I'm pretty gentle, but he'll tell you about how I used to have nightmares, and I, I'm basically like this close to his face, and I scream in his face. Oh, and Mike will so, tell you. I'll tell uh, you too. Mike and I are the <laughs> and only I, two people. <laughs> So basically, I scream out loud because I'm having this night terror. And then he's just like woken up out. He's like, geez, what's going on? And I'll be like, sorry. <laughs> and I'll fall back asleep. You should have him tell you the story. It's so funny. It's so embarrassing. It was terrifying. Night terrors terrify more than just the sleeper. Let me tell you. Um, for anyone that I don't know if I even described this completely, but yeah, sleep divorce. I was like, what is this when I clicked on it? Sleep divorce is just sleeping in a separate room. Alrighty, so our third and final small talk story. This is our feel-good story for you to share at work. This is actually one of my worst fears. Um, a man accidentally donated $15,000 instead of $150 to food relief fundraiser, and chaos ensues. So you may be wondering how this is feel-good. Um, also, this is my biggest fear, but I also just realized, like, if I tried to do this even, like, it wouldn't go through because I don't have that much money in my bank account. Because <laughs> so, I don't have to worry about that. Um, so basically, this man donated, he thought he was donating $150 to food relief. Um, and then he goes, all of a sudden, I'm so confused and swipe up to open a text message. It says, I made a payment of $15,041 to this GoFundMe. Immediately, I'm sweating. How could I have donated $15,000? Then it gets worse. The next day, I look at my phone and saw I had 40-plus notifications on Facebook. Um, apparently, like, the people that were receiving this money in Bangladesh, they were so thankful for him that they all started having these signs saying, like, thank you, Michael, like, saying thank you with his name on them. Like, all these people in this Bangladesh village were like, oh, my God, we're so gracious for you. So then he's like, I didn't really want to donate this money. Like, like I was just, it was just $150. Um, but luckily, what ended up happening was he just felt so guilty now that everyone had signs that said, thank you, Michael. So he ended up <laughs> donating $1,500 instead and then the rest was refunded so but also what happened with that story was that he i think it gained traction um he posted it or something had happened and then so people actually started donating to this relief fund and so i think they ended up getting like over twelve thousand dollars in donations from other people not from michael but um and that oh really i didn't even see that part i thought i read that part too that he actually brought attention to the fund and then oh yes actually they ended up raising like over twelve thousand dollars for 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 the people that needed it um and so i I think there was a there's a lot of good that came from this in classic older sister fashion you actually read to the end of the article whereas i stopped reading um so the end of the article (laughs) will say that he got more than twelve thousand five hundred from other donors and stuff like that so thank you annie (laughs) you're welcome i did my homework i'm like she kept reading i'm like i thought it was just garbage at the end of it like i just kept scrolling (laughs) or i just clicked out of the article 
Well, anyways, those were the three small talk stories that I thought you guys could share with you guys at work today. Thank you so much, Annie, for joining. Um, I know that you've had like a very busy day with the kids and stuff like that. So it was super fun to have you on. So yeah, anyways, any parting words for the fans? Thanks so much for having me. This is such an honor to come here. Uh, I know this took a lot of work in terms of coordinating schedules and somehow we weren't able to make this happen even though we were in the same house. But uh, <laughs> multiple times, multiple times. But um, yeah, it was it was this was so much fun. And so I'm, I'm really honored to be to be in, invited to be um, part of your podcast. So thank you. Oh, well, hopefully we can have you back again sometime. Um, it only took us like six months to get this going. So maybe in the next six months, we'll have you back. <laughs> like, comment and subscribe below. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you so much to everyone for listening. That is all we have for today. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Yeah.